Hello, welcome, welcome. This is They Matter Podcast, and this is our first episode in a little bit of time. Um, we were in a bit of a hiatus as we kind of went back and reviewed our last 10 episodes and trying to see how we could do better. And so thank you for sticking around and thank you for listening. Um, today we're going to be talking about Kyle Crover. Um, and for those that don't know, Kyle Crover is the current um, shooting guard for the Utah Jazz. He have played in Cleveland. He's played in Atlanta. He's played in Philadelphia. And then he's also played in a few other cities. And, you know, he's had a, a few things. But in this recent week, he came up with this um, essay on the Players' Tribune talking about privilege and discussing white privilege and essentially racism both within the NBA and just kind of within our society and how he fits into that whole sphere. And so we're going to touch on that and kind of get my thoughts on the article. All right, let's go. So when I first saw this article from Kyle Clover, I didn't really take the time to listen to it real quick. I just kind of like saw it and had an immediate reaction. And my immediate reaction was just that, oh, okay, another white man that's finally maybe seeing that white privilege exists. Hoop to do, right? And that was my immediate thought. And then the day went by, and then I, I finally actually read the story. And... I came away from it being very impressed, not necessarily by the, that he said anything important or that he said anything that I hadn't thought of before, but more so of like the things that he did say and in ways that he thought about himself and he looked at himself. Um, and I know it's really corny, but you know, that whole thing in the Michael Jackson story, Michael Jackson song of like the man in the mirror type thing. But that's kind of what it seems like he did, which is just kind of stop whatever he was doing and just kind of think real quick about everything else that's happening. Like, he reevaluated everything within his sphere. And what I mean by that is, um, he starts this article by talking about a situation when he was still with the Hawks. Um, I believe that was... I want to say maybe 2014 or 2013. Um, and he was playing alongside Tabo Cephalosa. And Tabo, while they were playing in New York, got caught up in this situation with um, the police there in which they kind of just beat him up. Like, they break his leg and he ends up missing that season and then having to have surgery, all of that. And so the story comes out, and in the way Kyle Crover says it, like, is that he originally saw that story, and his first question was like, what were you doing out at 3 in the morning in the night of a back-to-back? Right? And, I mean, that's, I think it's part of partially understandable, right? Like, that's a partial understandable thing to think of. But then he then goes back and starts thinking about it. He thinks about it later and talking about how he just felt like he let his friend down because 
He didn't think about the well-being of his friend. He didn't think about his friend's side of the story. He thought about it as being like, what were you doing out? Like, what did you do to get yourself in trouble type thing? And that's a that's so significant because I think a lot of times we have, all of us have those type of feelings about a bunch of different situations. But for Kyle Krover, um, you know, someone who's in his late 30s, a white man that's able to think back and being like, okay, maybe I should have just kind of not give the, the, give the benefit to the authority and to, you know, white supremacist mindset type thing. And maybe I should have just kind of thought about it in terms of what happened to my teammate and friend, right? And so, obviously, as this happened, Tabo ends up fighting the city. Um, he ends up then being found innocent for any wrongdoing in the situation. And then he works out a deal with the city of New York. So he was ex- he was completely innocent. And so that's one of the things that Kyle starts this whole article talking about, which is just like his first initial thought about that certain situation. And then he then goes on to start talking about responsibility versus guilt, right? And what he's what he means by that is like he starts talking about how like you should not feel as a white person, you should not feel guilty for what your forefathers, whatever, did, but more so that you are responsible for their actions and for how their actions are still being carried on today. And so for all the privileges that are still being um, given to people, to white people today because of the privileges that was built back then, you are responsible for that. You are responsible for addressing your fellow white person and your fellow white men and making sure they are aligned, right? And so he's taking the responsibility of being like, you know what? We may not, we don't have to feel guilty about something that happened in the past, but like, we are responsible for our people and how we behave. And I thought that was another really brilliant, okay, sorry, brilliant is maybe too strong. It's another great way of thinking about um, how privilege works. And as I started at the very beginning, it's nothing new, but it's great that someone who is white, who is you know, a pretty popular person in the NBA, is able to say this, talking primarily, hopefully, to his white counterparts, telling them, like, it's our responsibility to solve this. Because most times when black people bring up racism and we make those same um, points as I've had many times as many other smarter people than myself have made those points before it's met with just get over it let's move on equality etc 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 whereas the actions don't change they're just telling you to get over it and so we've known for a long time that it would have to take a white person to talk to white people to get them to act. And so that's what I found most interesting and most revealing about it is the fact that he was willing to be to be the person to come out and say, I am that person. I am going to be the voice to tell my counterparts of when we mess up or whatever actions we put out there, 
this is not okay. So the other part of this is that he started talking about when he started realizing these things and started thinking hard about these situations after what happened to um, Russell Westbrook a few weeks back. And for those that don't know, essentially um, OKC had a game versus the Utah Jazz in Utah. And um, during the game, there was an altercation with a fan in which the fan was like berating Russell Westbrook and then at some point was telling him that, you know, he needs to go back on his knees like they used to do back in the days type thing. And which is a reference to essentially being like, you need to go back, like picking cottons. It doesn't really make sense necessarily, but I mean, what can you really expect from a drunk racist person yelling at a, at a, an athlete? Um, but Russell Westbrook did not take that lightly. He was very upset, understandably, and um, he yelled some things back. And ultimately, what happened with that was that that fan ended up getting banned for life from um, their arena at the Utah Jazz. And then Russell Westbrook ends up getting fined, I believe it was like $25,000. And so... I don't know if that's necessarily fair because, I mean, he had the right to beat that man up, honestly. But that's that's, that's just me. Um, but anyways, so that happened. And what came after that was some things that I just found so disingenuous, which was that certain, like the, the organization and people around the organization came out saying how this doesn't represent us and we are a welcoming community. We love this. And um, that's why we're banning this person from the arenas and this and, what, and whatever. Which is a nice thing to say to win the media, right? And then it's our player, Donovan Mitchell, comes out saying how this doesn't represent the Utah community that I know and I've grown to love. I stand, I stand firmly with um, Russell Westbrook and... This is not who we are, and I hope that the NBA community gets to know the other side of us. Again, another nice thing to say when you're doing a campaign, but I was very upset when he said those things. Because it's one thing for the organization to say that because they worry about their bottom line. They worry about the fact that their fan base, especially in Utah, is almost all white folks, rich white folks, who are not necessarily concerned with black issues, right? But as Donovan Mitchell, a black young man who plays for that team, his statement needed to be stronger. And what his statement came out saying was that, hey, let's just move on. Let's not talk about this thing. We're better than that. And that's fine, but like you're not better than that, right? Because if you were better than that, we wouldn't be having this conversation, if you were better than that, your fan base would be showing that you're better than that. If you were better than that, you don't need to make that statement. Your action would show it. And so, and it didn't. And so for you to come out here, I don't know if anyone asked you to come up with that statement. I've, I'm assuming they didn't, and I'm assuming you were just kind of 
trying to come out, say a thing to make people feel nice and nice and sweet, and then try to maybe hopefully get some free agents to come to Utah. But that's not cool. No. Like, this place is not... They, they Many, many players have already came out and said every time they're in Utah, they are berated and are yelled racist things too. So what you need to do is say something stronger, right? And I admit that on my end, I often hold our black athletes to take stronger roles. And that's my mistake. Because ultimately... It's not their job to fight racism, right? It's ultimate racism is ultimately a problem caused by white folks and a problem that needs to be solved by white folks. And all I wanted to ask of Donald Mitchell is don't release a damn statement. That's not your problem and you, your input is not necessary, especially when it didn't serve when it didn't help anybody in the situation. And so ultimately this matters because this article by this player who was just traded to this team um, at the beginning of this past season, he has said the one thing that everyone has wanted to hear. Which is that we know that we are flawed. I know that I'm flawed as a person. And all I can do is try to be better. Um, and we are not perfect. Instead of trying to like make up this whole thing about how this is a one person thing. He made it a human thing of being like. Uh, pointing out his own flaws. In talking about this situation. And that's when things get genuine. It's when you come out sounding genuine. When you come out sound like you mean what you say. Rather than you coming out with a statement like Donovan Mitchell's. Which comes out like a robot wrote um, a diversity training um, manual. Like it's just, it's maddening. And that's why I appreciate this article. <laughs> Kyle also goes into talking about how oftentimes when we're talking about racism, um, it's so easy to point out to the people that like in arenas and in certain places that are yelling it out loud, right? If someone in the in the um, in the arena is just yelling n words and whatnot. That's easy to see, right? It's easy to be like, that's racist. Especially for, I'm assuming for people, for um, for white people to look at that person and be like, okay, that person's racist. But what he was talking about was saying how those things are, those are easy because um, for that fan, you can just kick him out of the games, kick him out of your arena forever and move on. But what he was trying to get at is he was saying how the bigger issue within our society is that the silent races are the worst. And he was talking about like, the people that are looking in your face, um, smile at you. They have, <laughs> quote unquote, I have like a bunch of black friends, right? Those, those friends. And um, they're all lovely to you. But then when behind closed doors or when they're all with 
uh, other white folks, then they're racist as hell. And so those are where the issues are. And I mean, that's very true. And again, we've been saying this forever. Um, but that's a really fair point that and I'm glad he makes that point as well. Because I feel like within our society, one of the major things that we've done, and by we, I said, I, I mean the white media, is always saying when something racist happened or something sexist happened, whatever the, whatever the thing is, they frame it as, oh, it was these people. They're dumb, right? Because a lot of times when, like, let's say racism happened, it's always put on, like, rednecks. Because they're dumb and they're stupid and they're, they're rednecks, right? But when you're going to NBA games, um, most of the people that are able to buy tickets to these games, especially people that are close enough to hackle the players to where they can hear them, yeah, those are rich people. Those are people with money. Those are people in the suburbs. Those are people who are executives. Those are people that are in management. Those are rich, smart people. And so I'm glad that he's able to bring that up. And I'm even happier that I'm able to talk about that. Because, yes, there are a bunch of like racist rednecks, right? But there's also a ton of racist people who went to Harvard, Stanford, Emory, any of those places, like any of these top schools, there are smart people who are racist and they get, they get to get away with it because there's been a system in place always talking about how racist people are dumb people. And you may not like this, but uh, we have someone in the Oval Office who's also rich, super rich, racist as hell. Because this is not an exclusive thing. And I know, like, I talked in length just about the Utah Jazz, but this problem is not a Utah Jazz situation. This is America's problem, right? Because, like, this is not ex exclusively to Utah Jazz. No. You go to Boston, there's racism. You come to Atlanta, there's racism. You go to Oklahoma City, hell yeah, there's racism. You go to Dallas, there's racism. So, like, no, it's not exclusive to these certain places that I named but they exist and for some odd reason they exist really loudly in Utah Jazz and because of that and because we have someone who's finally has been able to wake up in Kyle Crover to be able to talk about it out loud it's really helpful because as a black person I know that my voice in talking about racism doesn't carry that weight. I know that in this battle to fight racism, I need white folks' help. And he has been the first person, first male, let me put it like that, the first male athlete to really come out and be at the forefront of this and talk about it as frankly as he did um, and in ways that it needs to be talked about. And no gesture in any ways from anyone else is, is equating to this level of a conversation. Like, I know that, you know, and I, I, 
I'm, I'm aware that I didn't really talk a lot about women's sports, but I'm also aware that within women's sports, their white counterparts have done a lot more in, in terms of being supportive of them and in their struggles. And what I mean by that is, like, when we talk about even when um, Colin Kaepernick did his um, kneeling thing, I was looking all over the league for any other white athlete to actually be by his side, not just stand by him and hold his shoulder, but to be be by his knees and, you know, talk frankly about it. Guess how many did? None. But in the, in the soccer world, Megan Rapino, she was on her knees. She was out there on her knees during, during the national anthem while representing the United States of America in games both international and domestic. And so that's why I didn't try to focus so much on the women teams for that because I know that for the most part, the women teams try to support each other. But in the man's game, that's when it's so messed up because what all these male athletes always tell us is that we're a team and like we brothers, we do this, we do this. But then when things like this happen in which they actually need support, guess who's silent as hell? They're white brothers. And this is the white brother that came out and had something to say without being asked, by the way, and have said it without any kind of reservations, um, and knowing that there's, there could be backlash, and knowing that he's toward the end of his career, and that could be the thing that ended it, but he still persists, and he said it, and um, ultimately, I think if we could have more, not just white athletes, but white folks fight racism, this is how we end it. Racism is not going to end by more and more black people talking about it like myself. Racism ends when y'all are talking about it, when y'all are at the forefront of it. Because guess what? You started racism, you end it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Day Matter Podcast. We try to do this once a week. Um, if you guys have any suggestions or topics that y'all want to talk about, please let me know. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if you can. All right, thanks. Peace. <laughs>